0: Tommy Green, frontman of Sleeping Giant, joins the antidote. Good to have you here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I should really get this straight right from the start because I've seen your name listed so many ways. Should I be calling you Tom, Tommy, or T H O M Tom?
1: Um. Yeah, Tommy's fine, man.
0: <laughs> the other names are just your alter egos. Yeah,
1: that's true. Multiple personalities. So that's how it works. <laughs>
0: Sleeping Giant just got back from playing Christmas Rock Night in Germany. You sure you're really ready for this talk, or would you rather just go back to bed?
1: <laughs> Not good. I'm good, man. It's um, yeah, it was a long one. It was a long weekend. We left on like a Wednesday, flew through the night, got there Thursday, crashed, played Friday, Saturday, flew back home without sleeping, super early Sunday. So it was uh, kind of a whirlwind. But yeah, I'm back. I'm I'm here. I exist. I'm awake.
0: And after all these years you're just used to jet lag?
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's how it works.
0: <laughs> you know, if you say Sleeping Giant here in Ontario, everybody thinks of this landmass up on Lake Superior, but I'm sure that's got nothing to do with your band name. How about giving us the roots of the band and where the name came from?
1: Sure. Well, one of my favorite bands, uh, when I was like a you know, just a, a young kid getting involved into the hardcore scene in Salt Lake City just still in like you know high school and my one of my first bands that was ever my, my favorite was a band called dead guy and uh they had a song called crazy eddie and the lyrics to the song talked about sleeping giant who's seen it all and who's not going to stop and all this stuff and I, I liked the song so much and I always thought that phrase sleeping giant was really cool so when we started the band i remember thinking it's called sleeping giant and people thought that was super awesome the dudes in the band liked it and um then we found out that the region of Southern California that we were from was actually called the sleeping giant. The inland empire of Southern California is the region that we're from. And it was uh, the sleeping giant because it was where so many people that supported kind of the greater Los Angeles area where, where so many of them sort of stayed and worked from, it was like a citrus capital. And so it kind of had its own unique identity in the region that we were from in Southern California. And so it sort of took on its own meeting um, for the region, it was almost like we were representing something bigger in Southern California too. So um, it really just started because Dead Guy is like a really good band, and um, that song was really good. And I like the idea of you know Sleeping Giant. It, for me, it just started because I like Dead Guy, and then it took on a different significance because it was actually the, the name of the region where the band came from.
0: Effectively, you're destined to take on that name.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how <laughs> it felt like a real kind of special kind of thing. So, and it's definitely been that. It's definitely been a really special experience.
0: The music of Sleeping Giant is heavy, and so many Christians still equate that music with darkness. And some even take it further and say that metal and hardcore come from the devil. I'm sure you've heard it all before, but how do you respond to people when they bring that up?
1: Well, I mean, honestly and truly, it's like, I don't actually worry about too much of that. When I've heard it, I've thought, well, it's the source. That's what people are really talking about, you know. And, and the reality of the situation is that God invented music, and the enemy is a he perverts what's already there. He corrupts what's already been created. He can't create anything. And so the idea of tone and frequency, music and sound, even Davidic worship and praise, there was times when it was aggressive. You know, the Hebrew word for praise, barak, means to bow. But then the the Hebrew word for praise, shabak, means to shout in a loud voice. And so I'd imagine if we could see David. In the tabernacle back in the day, we'd feel very freaked out by the way he was worshiping um, and the undignified nature in which he danced before the presence of God. I think it doesn't look anything like sitting in rows with a light show you know, on a Sunday morning. So I don't really worry too much about some of the cultural differences. I would just say that God invented music and the enemy has been the one that sort of counterfeited what God made. And uh, all we're doing is a redemptive work, taking back what already belongs to Jesus and giving it to his people again. So I don't really worry about that stuff too much.
0: That makes you a current day, David. You dance on stage.
1: I do dance on stage. I love it, man. It's one of the only places I can kind of get that wild in worship. And so it's it's a special time for me. And uh, I, I feel like some of what we do in the hardcore scene, some of the values, um, some of the aggression even, some of the expression It's really a part of how we are designed to worship on this planet, and uh, it's something that's lacking in many modern-day worship contexts. So I'm grateful to have a forum to be able to express that in a healthy way with the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus as the source of my life for that to come out in worship. um, People need to see that it's possible to praise God in an unconventional way especially for people that religion has really put a box around what God is allowed to be. They really need to see that there's a big wide world that God is the originator of that God loves and is expressing his love. in. yeah, we dance, we get, we get wild on purpose because there's a time to sing and there's a time to be quiet. There's a time to kneel. There's a time to bow low and there is a time for warfare. You know, hopefully we represent a different dimension of praise than what people are used to seeing, but make no mistake about it, the strength and source of my life is Jesus, and that's where our worship comes from.
0: This puts Sleeping Giant into a unique spot, combining worship with hard music. Was that always the intention of the band? Yeah. I used to
1: just wanted to make music that I felt like angels would sing to. That wouldn't be a betrayal of my culture. like even the fact that we're a christian hardcore band um is already so fringe and weird even to my friends within the hardcore scene you know we're walking a really weird line because we're taking a subculture in america the hardcore scene which is now an international subculture we're taking a sound that many people in that subculture would say like this is ours we're taking that and we're adding this jesus dimension to it which already makes it way weird for them I'm hoping to build a bridge so that Christian people will actually give this sound a chance without counterfeiting or selling out the thing that I love about it. I love the sound, I love the style of music within the hardcore scene, and I love what it has meant to me and I love what it creates for a lot of people that have, you know, deep fear, anger, you know, issues that they need to get out in a healthy way. And so I love what the hardcore scene represents. So creating worship that won't sell out where I've come from, that is a part of where I've come from um, that still brings glory to Jesus and creates maybe some some space in the church for people to to give this a second look. That's always been the plan from our very first record was to, to be about what we're about, which is we are about our Father's business. We really are about the Lord, and we're really about God. Our lives have been changed by Jesus. So that is the, the driving passion, but we're not going to alienate where we've come from. In the pursuit. So, yes, it's always been a part of the plan to create worship that was intimate, that was driving, that was aggressive, that was cathartic, that was all those things that I think don't happen on a Sunday morning because the context isn't the same.
0: I think you'd be interested to know that I attended the opening for a metal church in Toronto and guess whose song they were including? Guess what band it was?
1: That's Sam John. I know him. He hit me up and let me know they were getting launched. That's cool. The underground in Toronto. That's sick. <laughs> they played to me, right? Exactly. So cool. Yeah. I mean, that's been the point is like, if we can create ammunition for, you know, the body of Christ to take and, and disperse and give out, like, then maybe there's more people that go, gosh, I, I really needed that. I needed that moment to be able to dance. I needed that moment to be able to, to get out the aggression or the, the feelings of frustration that I'm feeling. And it's, I'm too loud. For churchy music, right this second. Thank you for creating music that would cover me where I'm at. And then maybe it's easier to walk into some of those quieter moments because you've got a place to put it. Um, Almost like we'll be the minor scale to the major notes that is most worship. We'll fill in the blanks, which is fine.
0: And it's not always loud because that's a funny thing about your music is that I really think it's the mellow He Will Rain that might have made the biggest impact on people. Yeah, are you okay with that?
1: Yeah, I love it, man. That's all me. That's like I think to be honest, the the point was to be multidimensional. The point was to create songs that had that kind of beauty so that people that had never heard our kind of music before would never give it a chance or would get mad at their kids for listening to it, would stop and go, "Whoa, like these dudes are making music that I understand. Now it's easier for me to understand the other stuff." So hopefully trying to create unity, trying to create a sense of connection between the generations, trying to create a space for people that are angry and frustrated and Christian to be like, I get it. And thank you for creating that because that's how I feel too. Not only do I love him and he's beautiful and he's holy and he's worthy and I want to praise him, but I'm also deeply frustrated and there's injustice on the planet. Thank you for talking about the stuff, you know, thank you for being honest. So yeah, it's, it's both. And and I, I am totally fine with the beauty And those softer moments, because that's a part of who we are as humans, it's also a part of who I am. So I can stand by any of it and say, yeah, that's all me too. I'm both and.
0: You know, I would planned on seeing Sleeping Giant play a festival in the States a few years ago, but you guys had to cancel at the last minute. So I really have no idea whether the crowd is on their knees praying or if they're moshing in the pit. Mm -hmm. What's a live show like?
1: it's all of the above. It's hopefully it's kids just dancing and having a great time and jumping around and moshing and freaking out and stage diving and, you know, just do it going nuts and and expressing themselves and having a great time. And then there's also moments where, you know, hopefully people are truly connected with the presence of, of Jesus. Like, you know, God is everywhere, like omnipresent, but but I love that he would manifest his presence in a specific way to touch the lives of people. And hopefully not only the lost, but the found that everyone would feel a sense of like, wow, if this is what Jesus kind of feels like, this feels good to me. And, and maybe their hearts would open up to um, the message of his life and his story and his death and resurrection, and his lordship you know so it's it's all of the above i hope that it's deeply fun i hope that it's powerful and joyful i also hope that it's deep and impactful and it draws people to change the way that they're thinking and receive from the holy spirit and maybe be transformed in those moments you know to be healed to be set free from mindsets that are damaging to even have miracles happen in that wild and crazy kind of setting and we've seen it all we've seen people um really touched by God in miraculous ways people that we didn't pray for but just God was moving if you can you know get behind that kind of thing and people just were touched by God and they were sick they were deaf they were blind they had serious injuries they had sickness and disease and all of a sudden boom in the presence of God in this weird hardcore show environment you know God touches them and they know that he's real and and that's something special between God and with that individual And we hope to set that kind of atmosphere environment everywhere that we go um, to take that opportunity every single chance we have to share jesus with people
0: something else about your band is that the lyrics from sleeping giant are aggressive i mean really just like your music but i mean the lyrics are aggressive in a spiritual sense i suppose i'm thinking of songs like brothers keeper or throne room militants and -hmm. it has the line it's the man christ crucified so we live and die for the secret life, and to the enemy of our souls, we've come here to destroy. Mm-hmm. Should Christianity be militant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. I
1: mean, yeah, yeah, like seriously, it's, I mean, I get the multidimensional part of everything, there was a certain time where Jesus said, you know, in a specific context, I haven't come to bring peace but division, I've come to bring a sword, like I've come to, to see fire on the earth, and And I wish it was already started, but it's not. So I'm going to start it. Like there's a sense of the son of God was manifested to destroy the work of hell that steals and kills and hurts and harms and creates chaos and wreckage um, to the planet and to people. The thing that God loves so much. It's like, yeah, there's a time to fight back, not to hurt people, but to absolutely like Paul would say, you know the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds and he says we demolish arguments pretenses you know every high thing we like fight in the spiritual realm to demolish the things that people are hiding from God behind we want to break those down so that they can see that god is good his light is true and that people can be seen they can come out of shame they can come out of fear they can come out of sickness but like if they're going to hide behind walls i don't care if we kick those walls over not even a little bit if the son of god was manifested to destroy the work of the devil then on a certain level there's going to be moments in time where we transition from the gentleness and the calling of jesus into the warfare and that destroying the works of hell in the lives of people so that they can be free and uh yes totally this is very much spiritual warfare it's not meant to hurt people it's meant to strike back at strongholds and demonic things that hold people hostage so, I don't mind hurting the tormentors of humanity. I don't mind fighting them at all.
0: Well, how about carrying on further with that? Should the music created by Christians be safe and acceptable? sometimes because I think
1: that that is also a dimension of God. you know it's all together. um the idea that it should be one thing and not another that says that God somehow is just one thing and not another. And I think God is so like multifaceted. there's so much to him that. There's something so beautiful about the, the unifying themes of God, that he is both safe like a father, he's nurturing like a mother hen gathering chicks, right? But he's also a mighty warrior. All of those things are true about God and his nature. Like the pictures of what that means, you know, we could interpret a bunch of different ways. But yes, I think that we should create a place where people feel safe because I think that's where the heart of a pastoring God would come from. He creates a safety for people. He would also fight a lion or a bear that would come after his people. So he's like both and. He's, he's a tender, merciful father, and he's also a mighty warrior.
0: One song from Sleeping Giant that isn't particularly safe is Descending Into Hell. What drove you to write a song about sex trafficking?
1: I, uh, I have friends and family that, that have worked with the victims and the the abusers of young boys, young girls, you know, men, women, and children that have been a part of this just horrific enterprise. And uh, it's a sick business, and it's climbing the charts in terms of its ability to generate money. You know, it's, it's one of the more lucrative things because people are a renewable resource. So it used to be, you know, drugs, guns, and then people. And it's, I think it's become drugs, people, and now guns are the most popular things for, for these people to sort of take advantage of. And so um, I met a really dynamic individual that was rescuing kids and his uh, story so struck my heart that I was like, I want to be a part of bringing awareness and speaking against and protesting on behalf of the victims and uh, become a part of the fight against human trafficking. And this was many years ago. And then over the last couple of years, it's come full bore And then my, my wife and I, we crossed paths with someone that was in the process of being trafficked and fought to help get them out of a really horrible situation. Um, and so we've been, we've been touched personally as a family um, in the fight as well. And, and we will continue to be just because it's something that speaks to a number of different issues. Poverty, uh, people's lack of connection, empathy, sexuality, family, you know, fathering, mothering, all the, there's so many dynamics um, that are touched by this issue. The manifestation of it is that people are selling other people for sex. They're using humans. Uh, but the root of it comes from so many different places that it's a, it's a universal thing that people can understand. It touches everyone all over the world. And so Um, when it hit my heart, I went, I'll fight this. I'll fight this for sure. And so it's become something that's been important, even going to Cambodia to work with Agape International and filming our video for Victory, which is one of the songs off of, uh, Finnish people, you know, that was working alongside of a human trafficking group in Cambodia, um, which has been so devastated since the late seventies under the Khmer Rouge and, and what's happened there. It's like, it's a big deal. And so, um, starting with that record, I didn't know about the issue. Um, I had no idea until just before we wrote Sons of Thunder. So when that popped up, I went, Oh my God, I need to fight this. This is something I feel compelled to lend my voice to. And it's been consistent ever since. It's been something that we've written about um, multiple times.
0: It's not only through Sleeping Giant where you share your faith, Tommy. In Salt Lake City, you're involved with the Rev Gatherings. Mm -hmm. Can you fill us in? Well, yeah, man, I I
1: started a Bible study in Southern California um, in 2004. And it turned into a church that's called Tithamy. And my dear friend, Eric Gregson, who was our, one of our guitarists up until maybe four years ago, he took over pastoring Tithamy, um when I moved to Salt Lake City with my wife, Chrissy, to be with my my daughter, Merit. And so we got to Salt Lake, and we, we worked at a church there, and, and we started another Bible study for kids a couple years in, and that turned into our second church. And in the meantime, um, just being with the band and maybe just having – whatever grace I have to connect with people. I've ended up being able to connect with and network with a whole bunch of people all over the world that are ministering to underground kids, um, tattoo shops, like random normal churches. And so Chrissy and I have been able to sort of be come a connecting point and hopefully like family and support for a lot of young leaders that are coming up right now that are forming churches, uh, reaching out to people Doing evangelism, you know, just trying to do their family really well, uh, starting businesses, all that stuff that's like all kingdom. The Rev Gatherings is like become a ministry where we are supporting a number of leaders all over the place that are doing church in unchurch like situations and very church like situations. And so um, our church here in Salt Lake City, uh, my dear friend, Josh Craner took over pastoring the church in Salt Lake uh, last January, and so we don't even pastor that church. Like, we just helped to get it started, and he's such an amazing pastor that he's taken over, and so Chrissy and I are part of the leadership team there and look out, but really, we just stay connected with the larger group, and that's across the U.S. into Mexico and Central America and into the U.K., Um, so there's groups all over the place right now, and that's what we're doing.
0: I think a lot of people don't realize how many churches meet people in their own cultural context being Mm -hmm. it through the music or coming from a different perspective.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just important, especially because, I mean, honestly, I think if most people are really, really honest with themselves, there's something that the church does really well. The global church, like almost like the Sunday morning style church in a building, the structure of that has created something really powerful for people. And there's a good sense of connection that can happen there. And hosting community is so important and it's powerful. And massive parts of that are so changing in our generation that some of that just doesn't work the same way. And so it's important for us if the face of the church is changing. We need to be able to adapt because heaven is connection with God and with each other. And if that's happening, um, I don't really care where or how it looks as long as the word of God, the presence of God, the people of God are getting together. That's probably what heaven is going to feel like. And so however that needs to happen, I'm with it. I don't need a building, I don't need a lot of structure, but those things are good. As long as they exist to serve connection, I think they're going to be great and they're going to last. But any system or organization or business model that gets in the way of actual connection in the Holy Spirit is probably going to fall apart in the next like 20 to 25 years because people don't have time for that. So anyways, as, as the face of the church is changing, I feel like we've had a unique seat into the underground, which I feel like is kind of the tip of the spear in many ways. We've had a chance to see what people are putting up with and what they're not, and then just trying to create space for what's real. You know, the Rev Gatherings isn't going to compete with Mega Church, but like we're not trying to. And Mega Church can't compete with what we're doing, because what we're doing is always going to be more intimate and dynamic in different ways. And so I'm cool. I'm cool with my lane, and this is what we're doing. So the Rev Gatherings is, essentially, it's just become church for leaders that are doing church in other places.
0: Got it. Something I'm curious about, and I guess this is getting personal with you, how does Tommy Green define himself?
1: Huh. My connection to Jesus and my connection
0: with my family. Just simple like that. (laughs) <laughs> is this sort of like Blues Brothers, you know, I'm on a mission from God, <laughs> well, but you don't have the car crashes?
1: Right? Like, you could say covenant. The covenant that, that Jesus is in with me, and like the covenant that I've made with people on the planet, which is like my wife. And so, everything good for my kids is going to come from me and Chrissy. So me and Jesus are first, and me and Chrissy are second, and everything else will
0: come after that. And people that aren't Christian have a tough time realizing what that really means.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Christians are still figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like within the Christian context, we still think that just to be honest, that the new covenant is actually between God and his church. Like we think that we've got something to do with that. When the reality is that the new covenant is actually between the father and the son. And so we can't do anything to mess that up. Like we just get to receive mercy and forgiveness, everything good. And so I think Christians are still trying to work for a bunch of stuff that they've already got. And they're willing to sacrifice their family to do that work. So I I don't think they've got it figured out yet. I want to be in a good place with Jesus because I love him. Well, (laughs) I love him a lot. And then I want to be in a really good place with my wife forever because, you know, I I went through a real bad, like, youth and, you know, got married really young and went through a really horrible divorce. And so to get a second chance um, in all these areas of my life, like, you know, it's me and the Lord first and foremost, and then it's it's me and my wife. And and I think if me and Chrissy are like if we're hot and we're connected and we're like communicating and we're good, then our kids are gonna have a, a way better chance of it being really healthy and, and beautiful people. And I think that's the biggest reformation or revolution that could sweep through the nation is is really healthy families, but not just for families sake, but because like we really are, like my friend Jamie would say, families on a mission. Like we have a big calling together. But I'm content to be with my family. I'm good doing that. And so I think as long as I keep my priorities straight, you know, God can do what God wants to do. So I would say covenant is the most important thing. That's how I define myself. So hopefully someone that knows what covenants he's in (laughs) lives lives accordingly.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. Okay, I'm going to flip back to music here for a minute. Yeah, do it. It's been 10 years since Sleeping Giant brought out your debut album, Dread Champions of the Last Days. January 26th, the band releases your final album, I Am. You must want this to be a standout moment in your music. What does the album have to say? You know, honestly, man, it's weird that
1: you'd say that because, you know, um, like Sleeping Giant's final show is going to be February 17th, 2018. Our first show ever was February 17th, 2006. It was the night before I got married. And so it'll be 12 years to the date that we've basically been playing. And so it's been the chronicle personally, like personally, my own selfish view. There's a bunch of beautiful and powerful men that have been a part of this band and they're phenomenal. And so they may have a different take on it. For me, my personal view is I'm realizing that this band has been an absolute gift from God to me So I could chronicle my life um, moving from California to Utah to just try to be a good dad to my oldest daughter and still do what I could for the kingdom. That has been the process. And my daughter is about to graduate high school this year. And it feels like a full circle. Like it feels like a long chapter or a full kind of book is coming to an end. Um, The very first record, I wrote a song called No Sleep From My Eyes. And that was about my my daughter, Maren, leaving California and going away. And uh, me saying, you know, you'll get no sleep from my eyes till till she comes home. And so to get full circle now, she's eight, she's coming up on 18. And she lives with me and my wife. And she she loves Jesus. And she's, you know, doing her thing. And we've been able to help keep her on track and, you know, all that stuff. It feels like I've come full circle. And so what the record has to say, hopefully, is... With a sense of finality, like this is still just my life. This is what I've gone through over these past five records now. And we're coming in for a landing. The overarching theme is there's a reformation that is taking place on the planet that's God-ordained. And it's going to be powerful and awesome. The reformation is about can Christians actually love? That's kind of the point for me, is like, I think we've done everything else that we know how to do. But the one thing that I know that if we do it, the whole world will actually look to Jesus is love. And so we've built really big structures. We've got good buildings. We've even got influence in pop culture. We dress really well. We've got great laser shows. We've got you know online presence we've got six social media platforms we've di- you know we've dialogued through the bible countless ways we've we're still arguing over points that most people don't care about we preach real good we get together in mass we've got thousands of people in huge parking lots and massive structures but we don't know how to love and he said if if we love all men will know and so the only thing worth dying for for me after seeing everything that the church has to offer all over the world now The only thing that's worth taking a bullet for is perfect love. That's the theme for me is like, we need to go after love because the world is not impressed with anything else that we've done. That's my opinion. So those are my themes is there's a reformation on the planet. It's 500 years since the first reformation. I think we're in the middle of another one, Um, maybe at the beginnings of another one. And we're losing stuff that we think is important. But I think God's going to give us what's actually important, which is pure love. And, uh, and sacrificial love and, and Jesus type of love uh, for everyone. And so, that's what I'm after at this point. So, it's my personal journey that says, my daughter's with me, I'm here, this is what we're about, next generation of kids, step up, take this thing, go, um, be aware that times are mm-hmm. changing, and, uh, and goodbye.
0: What you just said so matches something that's hanging on the wall of the church that I attend. The poster says, if the road to spiritual maturity is leading you to despise more people, then you're going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that totally ties in and what you've just said into Sleeping Giant's single coming from I Am, no love.
1: Yeah, which I think I was going really hard after the Lord and after ministry, and I was really trying with Sleeping Giant and doing Church and and trying to go out and itinerantly speak and share with people, and I I was really grinding myself into the ground. And so, about four and a half five years ago, I started melting. I just started burning out, and I had to stop and uh and just get a job and like stop trying to be something. And what I realized was, yeah, I, I think just on some level that I I was missing something, and so. 1 John 4, 17 is the thing that's sort of haunted me because he says, love is perfected in this. Um, We'll have no fear in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And then it says, perfect love casts out fear, has nothing to do with fear. Fear is about punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That phrase, perfected love, love is perfected in this. I kept thinking, I don't know what perfect love is, but I don't have it. And I've been doing ministry now for you know 12 13 years and i actually don't know if i love any better i know more and i can do more christian stuff god what if i don't love like what if i don't love anymore like what if my heart's so tired and frustrated that i've given up i've given up on love i'd rather just be a quote unquote christian than i don't have to love cuz i'm just good at being a christian you know like i i was really like losing something and i didn't like it and so in stopping i've had to reorient myself around what's really important and So to come through and go all over the world and lead so many kids into relationship with Jesus and see miracles and preach the gospel on so many different stages and like be bold and be about it and get home and go, what the heck is this about? It drove me to this question of like, what is it that I'm really willing to die for? It's love. It's perfected love. That's what this thing called Christianity is to me, is love school. It's like, how do I learn how to love? And it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm not good at it. And, and I hope to be. And so, my parting shot is people in the church are proud of us for doing stuff. People in the world hate us for doing the same stuff. doesn't matter. I hope that we've learned how to love. I hope that we're learning how to love because I think at the end of the day, everything else is going to be really disappointing. But love never is. Love will never disappoint us.
0: Tommy, I really appreciate you coming on The Antidote Man and sharing about Sleeping Giant.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it.